You are listening to the Promised Church's message of the week. This week, Pastor Jonathan continues his series on the Father's Promise. We hope you enjoy this teaching. Hallelujah. I really want to encourage you, church, as much as I can without sounding uh, like I'm strong-arming you, but I would love for all of us who call the Promised Church home to be this week at the park, at Horseshoe Park, for Hope in the Park this week. It's an all-church event. It's, we don't, it's not just an outreach team event or leadership team event with some help. I, if, you, if this is your home, we would love for you to come even just to be there at the services on Friday night at 6.30 and Saturday at 4.30 to be a part of those services together. We have an amazing opportunity to reach our entire city for Jesus. You don't want to miss out. We still really need some help, especially Thursday night when we go door to door to hand out flyers to invite our city to be there. So please, if you can be here at 6.30 on Thursday, this Thursday is when we're going to go do that, and you're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be a great time. Last year uh, it was just a great time in reaching people for Jesus, and this year is going to be even better. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to share the word with you this morning. Going to continue on in a message that I started two weeks ago called The Father's Promise. Uh, today will be kind of, in a sense, part two of that message. Before we dive in, though, I just want to take a moment and pray and just uh, get our hearts ready to receive his word this morning. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here right now. We give you our attention, we give you our honor. We give you all praise. We love you so much. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to every person here today. The hearts would be opened. The eyes would be open. Ears would be open to your word to receive. God, that the seed of your word would go into our hearts and it would bear much fruit, Lord. We thank you that every person here today will encounter you through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So two weeks ago, if you weren't here, I shared a message on, called The Father's Promises about the Holy Spirit and really opening up the scriptures of how Jesus is the great baptizer and Jesus came, yes, he came and he died on a cross. He died for the forgiveness of our sins so that we could have relationship with him, with the Father, but he also came to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. And that was part of why he came. And Jesus said before he, he died and before he raised to heaven that it's better that I go so that the Holy Spirit can come. It's to your advantage. It's for your best interest that he said that I go so the Holy Spirit will come. Imagine that, that it's better for the Holy Spirit to be with us and in us and among us than for Jesus himself to be here. That actually the presence of God that we talk about, that we feel, that we experience in, in this place, in our worship at time, and, and with, that you experience through your everyday life, that I hope that you experience, is actually the Holy Spirit. It's actually the presence of God in the earth and the Holy Spirit revealing Jesus to us. That's what we feel, that's what we experience is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said it's better that he goes so the Holy Spirit may come. Jesus called the Holy Spirit coming the gift of the Father, the, the promised one from the Father. And, and that Jesus, we talked about, is the one who brings that gift. The, he is the one who brings the Holy Spirit. And that we talked about the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. 
person who has likes, dislikes, who has passions, who, a person you can hurt. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not an it, but a he. It's really essential and important to realize that the Holy Spirit is not an it. <laughs> Holy Spirit is a person. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God, and his name is the Spirit. It's really essential to remember these things. There's no way to cultivate and grow a connection and relationship with God the Spirit without recognizing that he is a person. But often we want to try to manage, we want to try to control, we want to try to understand. If I can't understand the Holy Spirit, then it must be something that isn't for me or isn't for today or it has to be explained in some way. The whole idea of the Holy Spirit is the unexplainable one. That you're not going to be able to understand everything about the Holy Spirit. And when you think that you've understood everything about the Holy Spirit, you've actually made God like you and now you're worshiping yourself instead of actually God. The moment you think that you've understood everything about God and the Holy Spirit, you have made him like you, instead of you becoming like him. But we, we seek to understand everything about God before we can receive something, before we can believe something. We have to understand it. That is not the gospel. That is not how it goes, it is receive through faith, not through understanding. And that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is essential for us today. If Jesus didn't do any miracles, if he didn't do any ministry until he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I think we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If the disciples didn't go out and fulfill the Great Commission until they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I think we need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't to speak in tongues, isn't to have goosebumps and giggles and just a good church service. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for you and I to be empowered to live like Jesus, to be free from sin, to walk in the power of God, to see miracles performed through our lives, to see salvations happen through us, to live like Jesus is the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Often tongues will come with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it is not the only purpose. It is not the only peace. And that God designs, uh, designed us to live in relationship with him to be full of him, that is the idea of baptism, immersed in God, full of God, to live like him. This is what he has offered us. This is what Jesus died for on the cross, was for us to experience this. This is why it's better that Jesus died and he went to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit so that he, God, could come and make his home in us, and now we could represent him to the world accurately. It's a beautiful thing. We have many different phrases in the scripture, many different uh, ideas about the Holy Spirit that we can see in scripture. And I want to talk about that today, a little bit about that today. In a sense, part two of this, of this message, the Father's promise would be the spirit-filled life. The spirit-filled life. What does it mean to live a spirit-filled life? I want to read a couple scriptures to, uh, for us today to start this off. John 7 verse 37 says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the spirit had, yet, had not yet been given, because Jesus 
was not yet glorified. Jesus said, if you come to me and receive from me, rivers of living water will flow in and through and out of you. That this was the promise that God had for us. This is what Jesus desired for us. And then the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2 after Jesus had promised that it would come. And that he said, you need to wait in Jerusalem until you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2. And Peter stands up and preaches the gospel. And 3,000 people get saved. And he's explaining what took place from the Old Testament, from the prophet Joel. And Joel chapter 2 to say, this is what was promised to come that in the last days God would pour out his spirit on all flesh and that your sons and daughters will, will prophesy, will dream dreams, will see visions, that this is what was supposed to happen. And he's explaining, if that was the last days then, 2,000 years ago, I think we're living in the last days today. I, I don't know about you, but that makes actual logical sense. If they were in the last days 2,000 years ago, as an explanation of what was taking place, I think we're in the last days today. And the, in Acts 2, verse 39, Peter says, The promise, the Holy Spirit, is for you, is for your children, and is for all whom the Lord our God will call. And I, I explained two weeks ago that this verse was a huge piece for us as, as leaders when we began to lead this church five years ago as to why we should have the name of our church be the promised church because we recognize our roots were birthed from a move of the Holy Spirit, which is when our church started over 40 years ago, and that our church is to be a place where the presence of God is experienced and is tangible and where the Holy Spirit has freedom to move. This is why we are who we are. This is, this is, this is what we do as a church and what God has asked us to do. And that this was the promise that Jesus gave right here in John 7, that rivers of living water will flow. This is a description of a life full of the Holy Spirit, a Spirit-filled life. Well, there's many different phrases in Scripture that describe living in the Holy Spirit, phrases like live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, be full of the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, sing in the Spirit. There's the gifts of the Spirit. There's the fruit of the Spirit. All these different phrases that we read in the New Testament about life in God. What, what does this mean? What does this look like? In Ephesians 5, verse 18, Paul even says, do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. What, what does this mean? Uh, how does this look? Well, what does this look like? How do I do that? Well, well, it's really essential to first realize that the baptism of the Holy Spirit wasn't meant to be a one-time deal. So there's the water baptism that we experience where usually a disciple of Jesus will baptize us in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and water. It symbolizes our old man is dead. We identify with the death of Jesus. We raise up out of the water. We identify with the resurrection of Jesus. That's usually a one-time deal. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is meant to be an ongoing filling of our lives where we stay full of God. Well, if this was impossible to do, why would God tell us to do it? This is what he actually designed for us to live in, how we're supposed to live. Essentially what I'm describing to you today of, of a spirit-filled life is a life in love with Jesus, a life where there's an intimate connection and relationship and life happening in a relationship with God. A spirit-filled life is consumed with God, loves him. He is 
he is their desire, he is their heartbeat, he is what consumes their thoughts, their life. Essentially, it's a Jesus-centered life. It's a life that has Jesus at the center of their life, and everything else revolves around him. It's not a life where it says, I'm going to live how I want to live, and I'll just add in Jesus when it's convenient, or when I really need him, when crisis comes. That is not a spirit-filled life. A spirit-filled life is not a, right, a life riddled with anxiety and depression and fear. It's not a life bound in sin. It's not a life powerless when circumstances come your way. It's a life full of power, full of purity, full of fire, full of hunger, full of passion, full of love, full of joy, full of peace. That is the life in the spirit. That is a spirit-filled life. If what I'm describing to you does not sound like your life, I want to encourage you to know that it is possible to live a spirit-filled life. It's about putting Jesus at the center and pursuing him with all that you have, letting him be the one that satisfies you and let you run after him and allow him to fill you with himself. We talk about the fruit of the spirit and we think, okay, there's nine fruits of the spirit, which is not accurate, by the way. There is one fruit, there's a fruit of the spirit, and it's described in nine different ways. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is not the fruits of the Spirit. Okay, so that's essential, which means that the fruit of the Spirit is a natural byproduct of a life full of the Holy Spirit. If you're full of the Holy Spirit, these things will be evident in your life. But often we go, well, I need self-control, so I'm going to really focus on self-control. I need peace, so I'm going to really focus on peace. No one picks patience, by the way. No one does that. Because you know you're going to be tested. Like immediately, like you get in your car, and all of a sudden there's this big truck going 10 miles below the speed limit in front of you. Immediately that's what happens when you pick patience. So no one ever picks that one. You know, but I'm going to pick love. i got to really focus on being kind. i got to focus on being more gentle. Like we pick these ones. I'm going to really work, on, work hard and strive to become good at those and, and build those up in my life and create disciplines and things in me so that this happens that's not how the fruit of the Spirit is developed in your life. The fruit of the Spirit happens when you are running hard after Jesus to know him, to grow a relationship with him, and you walk in a life full of the Holy Spirit. They just begin to happen. All of a sudden, you're living a life of joy and of peace and of patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. All these things just begin to happen because you know him, because you're full of him. The gifts of the Spirit begin to happen. They're accessible in your life. They begin to flow through your life because you've received and are walking in the gift of the Holy Spirit all the time. In Ephesians 5.18, the scripture that I just mentioned, Paul says, don't be drunk with wine. This is not a scripture necessarily coming against alcoholism, for, for instance, but he says, be filled with the Spirit. What is he essentially saying is, don't have your life consumed with things of this world. Don't be consumed with natural things. Don't be drunk on natural things, but be filled with the Spirit. When your life is full of natural things, it could be a substance, it could be a, a career, it could be possessions, it could be an amount of money that you're striving to make per year, it could be a, you know, a sport even, or a thing that you think is a good thing that you enjoy, but if it consumes your life, you will not be full of God. You must be consumed by Him to be a spirit-filled life. 
I want to give you five keys to a spirit-filled life. This is not exhaustive. This is not a complete list, but five keys that I feel are helpful to walk a spirit-filled life out, okay? Because it's like, okay, yeah, I want that. I know I need that. This is making sense, Pastor, but how do I do it? Well, let me give you a, a few things, okay? Number one, pray in the Spirit. We talked about this just a little bit two weeks ago, but pray in the Spirit. I talked about that there's the difference between the grace of tongues and the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues is meant for public use to edify the whole church, and it must have an interpretation that comes with it, okay? And then there's the grace of tongues where you receive a personal heavenly prayer language where you talk from your spirit to the Father, trusting that he will take what you're saying and and put it to use, to apply it to whatever you're praying for in your heart about that situation. It could be in a place of worship or it could be in a place of intercession, but you're trusting that he takes it. You're not understanding what you're saying. There's not an interpretation necessarily happening, going on, but you're praying in a heavenly language that the Father interprets and, and uses for your betterment. Okay? That's the difference there. It's essential to understand that difference. And Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 14 talks about the differences and talks about what, what is essential. And I talked about two weeks ago that the praying in the Spirit helps edify yourself, helps build you up, helps encourage you, helps keep you uh, in tune with God. It actually helps you become more sensitive to hear the Father's voice, to hear the Holy Spirit. Oh, I don't want that, Pastor. I don't want to be encouraged. I don't want to be edified. I don't want to hear God better. Are you kidding me? Do you know him? But people often will say things along those lines because they don't understand. They think it's weird. The Holy Spirit isn't weird, but when we try to approach God with a logical, human reasoning mind instead of a God mind, then we're going to write things off, push things aside, resist things that are of God. Be careful, again, how we talk about the things of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you can talk bad about me, you can talk bad about my Father, but don't talk bad about the Holy Spirit. So be careful. Don't write things off because you don't understand. Are you God? I don't think so. All right? So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. If this was an essential aspect of his life to his effectiveness as a leader, as one of the great apostles of all time, I think we might need it. I think it could help us. 1 Corinthians 14, 39. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Earlier in in, in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy and tongues for the edification of the church. If he says we're to pursue it, I think we need it. I think it's important. He didn't say pursue it until the Bible comes because then you won't need it anymore. That's not in the Bible, by the way. But people actually think that. You need to pray in the Spirit. This will help you be full of him. All right, number two, surrender. Surrender. What does this mean? You're dead. He lives through you and in you. Death to self, death to self-sufficiency, death to self-assurance, self-rule, where you are in charge of you. You cannot be full of God if you are full of yourself. If your life is consumed with you and all about you and what you're going to receive, what you're going to get, what will benefit you, 
It's going to be hard to be living a spirit-filled life. Our whole culture, our whole society is about you, 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 me, 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 self, 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 self. What am I going to get out of this? Receive, receive, receive. You must feed me. You must give me. You must give me. The way of the kingdom is it is better to give than to receive. Life in God is actually a death-to-self life. In Luke 9, Jesus says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Galatians 5, 24 and 25 says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. What is that? That's you. You're dead. He lives. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Here again is these two, two phrases that I mentioned earlier. Live in the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. How does this happen? When you live a life surrendered, when you live a life, live a life saying, Jesus, it's about you. I live for you. All this says for you. I want to co-labor with you, partner with you. What do you have for me to do? And I'm not going to do it in my own strength, in my own efforts. I'm not going to do what I think is best. I want to do what you think is best. How are you going to know what is best? How are you going to know that? How are you going to know what he wants to partner you with or partner with you on? Well, first of all, he wants to partner with you in everything. But there might be things in your life that you are doing that are not him. How are you going to know that you're hearing him? How are you going to know that what you are asking him to partner with you in is the right things. Number three, be still. Be still. Often we live our lives at such a crazy pace, at such a speed of life, that it is almost impossible to know that what we're doing is from God because we haven't actually taken the time to listen to him, to allow him to speak to us, to say, that part of your life you need to give to me. That part of your life is not for me. You just want to do that. Will you lay that down? Will you give that up? Will you stop doing that? But often we, again, don't have Jesus at the center, and we don't actually spend the time with him needed in order to allow him to have full rulership in our life. We just say, Jesus, this is what I'm doing today. I need your help. Partner with me as I'm doing my thing. Oh, that's, a, that's great, son that you're wanting to do all those things. This is what I had in mind. Number three is be still. What does this mean? It means to sit, to actually wait, be silent, listen, trust. I want to give you some scriptures. Psalms 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Isaiah 40, verse 30. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. I know that feeling. But they who wait for the Lord, they who wait for the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run, run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They who wait. Another, the, in a sense, an interpretation of this word wait is to hope is to trust that being still before the Lord, trusting him, is not a place of inactivity and doing nothing. It actually requires the most focus and intentionality 
that you have in order to do it successfully. It's a very active thing. Though in the physical realm, it looks very inactive. And there's a lot here. I'm not going to have time to unpack everything about what it means to be still before the Lord. I hope to maybe talk more about this in depth in, in the weeks to come. But I'm telling you, this is the hardest thing for me to do in my own time with the Lord. Worship Him. Woohoo! Pray. All right. Pray in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Read, read the Bible. Come on. Sit still, listen, and don't do anything? What? All right, I'm going to do this. Oh, man, this feels like it's been a long time. Three minutes. Okay, I'm going to keep going. Man, it feels like it's been like a half an hour, ten minutes. It's the hardest thing to do. But when you think about it, when you spend time with someone that you enjoy being with, your spouse or a close friend, how much of that time that you're with that person are you actually talking the whole time? If you are, they are really kind. And you need to get a clue. Listening is a huge part of building relationship. Listening is a huge part of growing friendship and connection. But yet we spend time with God and we talk the whole time. I want to read one more scripture. Isaiah 30, verse 15 says, This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength but you would have none of it. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Again, it's, it's not, it looks like inactivity. It looks like, this is going to make the camera people work. This is what it might look like. But I'm telling you, it requires a lot of focus. Because everything in your life wants to come at you at that one moment. Oh, man, I got to do this today. I got to do that today. Oh, yeah, I forgot to do that. Oh, yeah, I got to talk to that person. I got to text that person. Oh, man, I forgot. I mean, I'm telling you, in, in one moment of sitting still before the Lord, everything in this world floods you. And you got to fight to listen. Fight to be silent and be still before him. But yet, there is extreme life there. There is peace there. Why? Because you're trusting in him. You're not trying to make something happen all in your own efforts and strength and, you know, all your Shabbas and whatever. Like, it's, you're actually trusting the Lord. Uh, next point. Number four. Eat your daily bread. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says that we are to pray, give us this day our daily bread. He isn't just talking about natural food, natural provision. He's talking about receiving the word, eating of the word. Jesus himself is the word. He is the word, and he has given us these scriptures to be food for us spiritually. And often we starve ourselves spiritually because we don't really read the word. We maybe read it, on our verse of the day through our Bible app for two minutes. We maybe read it once a week. You may read it just today, coming to church. How are you going to grow? How are you going to stay full of God when you ignore the Word of God? And I'm not talking reading for information. I'm not talking reading just to gain knowledge. I'm talking reading for hearing. 
I receive more from the Lord in his, actually experiencing his presence and in actually hearing his voice when I read the scripture and I participate in reading the scripture with him than in anything else I do. When I read the Psalms and I read verses about praising the Lord and I stop and I actually praise the Lord with the scripture, when I actually read something and I pray through it, when I actually read something that convicts me and I pray through it, all of a sudden life is happening, connection is taking place, growth is taking place. I am full of God and I'm feeling his presence while I'm doing it. That is what I'm talking about. A lot of people read the Bible and don't know the author. We've talked about this before. Okay? But when you actually eat your daily bread, you partake, you receive and meditate on and allow it to permeate your being, you will be transformed. You will live a spirit-filled life. I'm just going to give you two scriptures about this. John 6, 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And then the last one uh, in this, Psalms 119, verse 72, the law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. You have to value his word. You have to allow his word to be important to your life. Otherwise, what are you living your life by? Your feelings? What are you living your life by? What the culture tells you? What's satisfying you? The things of this world? Because I tell you what, when you value God's word the way he wants us to, he will satisfy you. Number five, outflow for overflow. You cannot just try to receive God and be immersed in him and allow the Holy Spirit to fill you without having an outflow out of you. It's a river. It's meant to be a river of living water. It's not meant to be a lake, a sea. It's meant to be a river. There must be an outflow as there is an inflow. In, in the geography of Israel, God actually gave the Israelites a perfect example of what it's supposed to look like. You have the Sea of Galilee, where there is life, there is vegetation, there is fruitfulness in the region. The, the sea collects water from the hills around and from the region around, and then it flows out of the sea through the Jordan River, and then it goes into the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is dead because it has no outflow, only has inflow and it just becomes stagnant and, and salty and no life around because it has no outflow. Your life cannot just be consuming. It must be giving. And that looks in a variety of ways. That's evangelism. That, that's how you love your family. That's how you love your coworkers and your neighbors. That's how you serve in the church. That, that, there's a lot of ways of how you can have an outflow. But I'm telling you, if you're consumed with just receiving and not giving, you will never walk in a spirit-filled life. You must have both taking place in and through you. Again, it's back to number two of surrender, death to yourself. It's about him and it's about others. Jeffrey already mentioned this scripture, but we are meant to live in overflow. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're meant to overflow. You're meant to be full to the fullest measure of Jesus. You're meant to be full of him. 
a life immersed in him, a life knowing him, a life connected with him, a life growing in him where he is the center and it's all about him. And you live your life for him and everything to bring him glory. It's not for yourself. It's not what you get and get out of it. I'm telling you, when you live that way, you get more out of it than you could ever hope for. But will you put your life in a place where you are pursuing him with everything that you have? Will you put your life in a place where your time looks like he's at the center? Will you live your life where you, you desire him and nothing else? Where he satisfies you, where he is your true desire, where he is your want, where he is what you know that you need. And in him is all things. I'm telling you, these last few months, we were talking about it when we were in Florida. God is wanting to kill casual Christianity. <laughs> there is no if, ands, or buts about it. If you just think I can just go to church and be a nice person and it's all going to be good, I'm telling you, there is so much more for you. God wants you to live immersed in him, full of him, representing him fully every minute of every day. And it really is about how much time you're willing to spend with him. Will you take your life and reorient it in a way where you spend time with him in the secret place, alone with him? Will you pray in the spirit? Will you worship him? Will you sit still and listen and do nothing but just be with him? and be comfortable in the stillness, in the silence? Will you spend time in the Word and allow Him to build you up, change you, and convict you, and receive your daily bread in Him? Will you give what you've been, been receiving away? This is the life God has for you. This is the Spirit-filled life. This is what Jesus paid for on the cross. He didn't pay for a, a weak, anemic, lifeless, full of sin and depressed Christian life. He didn't die for an ineffective, casual experience. He died, shed his blood, not just to forgive us of our sins, but so that we could live full of him, full of joy, full of peace, full of power, full of love, full of purity, full of righteousness. This is what he desires for us. Let's all stand. As I mentioned, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time deal. But I'm telling you, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit authentically, it changes your life forever. I'm not talking tongues. I'm talking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you receive that and he sets you on fire for him, sin has no appeal. The things of this world have lost their luster. All you want is him. If you, what I'm saying to you today is like, wow, that's challenging. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can commit that kind of a restructuring of my life or my time. Then you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit or you need to receive it afresh. Because when you've received it, it's like, wow. There's nothing else I'd rather do than just be with him right now. And whatever he tells me to do, I want to do it because you've actually tasted of him in a real and authentic way. So I believe that there's people here today that maybe weren't here two weeks ago or were here, but you're like, man, I just can't go forward. Something just, I just can't do it right now. But maybe today you're like, 
I, I know I need this. If you're here today and you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you would like to receive that for the first time, I'd like for you to come up to the front on this side. If you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you know things have grown cold, stale, stagnant in your life, you're, you're not walking as you know you should as a, as a Spirit-filled life, and you want a rebaptism of the Holy Spirit, I want you to come over onto this side. God wants to touch you afresh today. Remember, we're meant to stay full of Him. There's meant to be a refilling of Him all the time, and you're never really full until you begin to overflow. God wants to overflow in you. So, no embarrassment, no shame. If you're here today and you're like, I want this. I want either a baptism of the Holy Spirit for the first time or a rebaptism of the Holy Spirit. I want you to come to the front. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, man. I'm proud of you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. What we're going to do is Josh is going to just, he's playing softly right now. He's just going to continue. And I want you, church, those of you who are still on your seats, just begin, just to begin to worship him. And you guys who came up front, just begin to worship him in your own words, in your own, with your own lips. Just begin to tell him that you love him. Just begin just to, to worship him and thank him for who he is and what he's done for you. Just begin to love him. And our ministry team is just going to come and, and gently begin to pray with you. There's no forcing anything here. We're not going to try to make something happen. God's just going to move. But begin just to love on him. Begin just to allow your heart to be focused on him. Put your full attention on him. And you guys on your seats, you do the same. Just love on him. There's nothing better that you can do than to love on Jesus. I tell my kids this, there's nothing that you can do better with your time than to be with Jesus and worship him. Just worship him. Just love on him. Just tell him how good he is. Just worship him. We love you, Jesus. You're so good, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, oh God. There's none like you. You're so good, Lord. You're so worthy. We love you, Lord. We give you everything, Lord. We give you our hearts. We give you our attention, Lord. Come, fill us afresh today, Lord. We need you afresh today, oh God. Come, fill us today, Lord. We desire you and nothing else, Lord. You're all we want. You're all we need, Lord. You're so worthy. You're so holy. You're so amazing, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. You're so worthy, God. Thank you, God. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're in this place. Right now, sweep through this place, Holy Spirit. Let every person here today experience your presence, Lord. Blow wind of God. Blow wind of God through this place right now. We give you our attention. We give you our love. You're so amazing, Lord. Fresh touch today, Lord. Fresh touch today, Lord. Your spirit, God. Fill. Fill to overflow, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Lord, I ask for every person here today, God, that you would come and awaken a hunger in them to be with you, to know you, to spend time with you, to be full of you. God, anything in this world that has a hold on us, that wants to distract us, that wants to suck us in, God, I ask that we would, we, we would surrender those things. God, that we would live a life full of you. God, that you would grace us to be still before you in your presence and listen. Lord, I ask that you would come. Speak to us so clearly, Lord. Lord, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us afresh with your spirit, that we would go out full of you and change the world around us, Lord, because we are representing you in everything that we do, that your love, that your power would flow through us, God, and we would see this region transformed by your gospel, transformed by your spirit, Lord. We desire you, O oh God. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. If you're up front, stay here. Don't be in a hurry. Let the people praying for you just continue to pray over you. I'm gonna pass this off to Pastor Aaron, but don't be afraid to linger. Don't be afraid to stay.